Peace, peace, and welcome uh, to another installment of Cook on Quarantine. This is uh, going to be especially uh, interesting and, and fun and great because I met this good brother, uh, Mr. Victor. I actually yeah. met Victor uh, over dinner in San Francisco several years ago, and he's yeah. sort of been like one of my mentors, helping inform and guide some of the decisions I was trying to make around partnership on the continent, where to go when, during my first trip when I traveled to to Africa and I stayed in Kenya and connected me along the way. Um, he's like in, insanely popular and uh, and like, you know, well-regarded. I have no idea what he does for a living. I just know everybody loves me. <laughs> so we're going to get into Victor's story. Um, uh, we're going to get into uh, some of the things he's seeing. He's in Ghana right now, which he'll get into. And yeah, so thank you. I appreciate you doing this. Thank thank you, Stephen. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. You know, we've been trying to do this for, for ages. So I'm happy we finally got to do it now. <laughs> yeah, now you're a busy, busy person and high demand. So I appreciate you doing this. So you're in Ghana right now? Yeah, I'm in Ghana right now. I'm actually, I've, um, I'm originally from Nigeria, but um, I got married to a Ghanaian and I've been here for over a decade now. I've lived here for since 2009 okay yeah so i've been here for 11 years now and so you grew up yeah. you said you grew up in nigeria where in nigeria i was born in nigeria um in, in the midwestern part of nigeria those states you know I, I grew up there uh went to school there then i lived in lagos in fact it's actually the commercial nerve center of africa if you come to think of it it's actually the most popular city um so every, everything happens in lagos so i moved to lagos uh, i lived there for for a while until I went to school in England, came back. Uh, and um, after a couple of years, I now realized that Lagos wasn't for me anymore. Because like, you know, there are some things you you take for granted um, while living in one part of the continent. And, you know, you, you go to another part and you now realize, whoa, okay, you know, it's, it's uh, much better there. So I came to Ghana. Ghana was more like, me, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not the the everyday hustler. I'm not the, you know, uh, what Ghana provided was um, stability, you know, stable infrastructure. Um, I'm not hiding from any political enemies. I'm not so much worried about crime. Or there's crime here, but it's not as bad as it is in South Africa or, or in Nigeria. So it allows me to be able to um, focus on what I do. You're asking me what I do, and uh, maybe this is it. <laughs> well, I know I, I know you have all the tech, but the various projects yeah, yeah. you have. But yeah, I want to get into that too. Before you, before you do, you were raised in Nigeria. You went to school in yeah. England. Um, what did you? Where did you go to school? The school in England part was just a very very tiny part of my. You know, like I did, I, I did an under my undergrad in Nigeria, postgrad also in Nigeria. Then ten years later, and I realized, you know what? Well, what was I your undergrad and postgrad in? What did you What did you study? But, Undergrad, you know, uh, was in the biological sciences. I, I was actually meant to go to med school after. And uh, what happened was I changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I found tech. But I, I, at the same time, I was still trying to make up my mind. if Because I, like, uh, I had um, a lot of pressures from my family. Uh, I had a lot of family members who were medical in the medical profession. I had other family members who were in business. So I had to choose um, one of the two. And tech was the was <laughs> not even in the cards at all. 
uh, what happened was I stumbled on my uncle using a computer once in his office. My uncle, you know, was a banker, a very famous banker in Nigeria. Stumbled on him using a computer and I was looking at it and I was like, you like this? Yeah, I like it. I want, you want to know more about it? Yeah, I want to know more about it. Then the silliest thing happened. I watched Superman 3. <laughs> you know, with God, <laughs> like I wanted to be a hacker and that was it. You know, the passion for for technology started then. And even though I still went, you know, did an MBA uh, because of my family. Now, the funny thing was before the MBA, I had left, uh, I was working with my family, left them, worked with a tech company for a while. I met a, a, a young, well, he's originally from Indian origin, but it's actually African. Like I was born in Ethiopia of Indian origin, lived in you know, South African residency, now lives in Australia. So I met my co-founder there and, um, we both went back to school. Um, I, I was doing an MBA. He was uh, trying to finish his undergrad. He was a uh, very, very good developer. And while we are in school, we just stumbled on building stuff. And, and that was it. And uh, before we knew what was happening, we started this company. Uh, we had had about 21 people. We were very young. We are in our early 20s. We didn't know what we were doing. We are just building stuff. So we ended up with one of the biggest clients in Nigeria, which was a farm, built an ARP product from scratch. <laughs> you know, we were so clueless. You know, we didn't know that what we were doing um, had a global appeal and could actually even scale beyond um, 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 uh, the, the country and the place we were building it for. Um, my co-founder had to move back to, um, had to move with his parents to South Africa. I was left alone with 21 people, you know, and Y2K happened. Uh, what happened was this company we were working for was taken over by another company from Europe, from Belgium, and they had other farms in, in Africa that they wanted the same product to be scaled to, and we couldn't do it. So they, they just replaced us with some Indian company, and that was it. The company died. So <laughs> when that happened, I had to go back to work for my family again, you know, which was you know, very embarrassing. Um, found myself back in um, the, um, in finance and um, in, in private equity and all of that. So did a number of yeah, deals. That sounds, that sounds humiliating. <laughs> <laughs> it was humiliating. It was, you know, like uh, you know, like I, I told you so. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're, you're back here. Uh-huh. So uh, I was there for a while. Did a number of deals, you know, like they acquired a bank, IPO'd after three years, did um, one of the biggest investments in, in, in well, in, in, in the technology space, in, in the telco space, actually invested in, in the telco in uh, in Nigeria. Uh, we were used to own about 10% of one of the big telcos in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And as we're doing all of that, you know, funny thing is that I now started seeing the relevance of tech again, you know, in everything we're doing. And I realized that, look, you know what, you know, I can't escape this. And um, something happened, you know, I, you know, in the process of doing all of that, one of our partners needed um, to, which, which one, of the, one of the partners and one of the companies invest, one of the institutions invested in us was the state government. And they needed um, to get their act together. What they needed, strangely, was, you know, a product that was similar to what I had built before by myself, you know, myself and uh, my co-founder who had built for, for a farm. So, um, uh, but they needed something more standard. So we now had to implement SAP for them. So which we did as a joint venture uh, project. And, you know, 
for me, I've never seen a, a tech project um, pay $4 million you know, in, in six months in my life. And I said, okay, you know what? This makes a whole lot more sense than, than you know, all of the, the swashbuckling in finance and all of that. This, this was what I knew, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, after we did that project, you know, I decided I was going to go back and restart my company again. So people thought I was insane, you know. Um, luckily for me, uh, I, had a, um, I had a consulting gig um, with the IFC. There was a, a, a guy who was coming into, um, was coming back to, to Africa. He's, he, he had, he's a Nigerian, but he had worked with Apple and Enron. And he, he had he'd gone to school um, in the UK, LSE and all of that, I had a PhD. Um, and he wanted to come start a technology business in Nigeria, you know, to do um, business process outsourcing. Then outsourcing was great. You know, um, the Indian companies had opened everybody's eyes. Mm-hmm. So this guy had wanted to come. His name is Dr. Aloy Chife. He, had, he, had, he was coming to Nigeria to do exactly what the Indians were doing, you know, and more. So he also needed to be funded. So he, the IFC, uh, he approached the IFC. Luckily for me, I had people in the IFC, I knew people in the IFC who did not have any knowledge of, they had never done any tech investments in, in Africa. So they called me in to uh, look at what uh, this guy was talking about and also do an assessment of the market. So that assessment of the market helped me a lot you know, to actually understand what was possible. So, so I, I got paid to actually learn yeah. <laughs> more about, you know, the market and more about this whole new this whole new services part of of, of technology, mm-hmm. and you know it was an eye opener. You know, I did my study, gave them my findings. The founder did not necessarily agree because what I t- told them uh, to do uh, was focus on education, healthcare, and governance rather than you know the banking and uh, um, oil and gas sector, which was booming. You know, like a lot of people think it's the commercial opportunities that that make more sense than um, the educational it's about the IFC of course you know backed me and said um, that was what they were interested in um, funding technology for anyway mm-hmm. and um, he eventually did that he worked you know um, on education first the later government and he became one of the most successful um, technology companies to ever come from from this part, you know, so mm-hmm. successful that his products were now scaled outside Africa to places like Sri Lanka. So, <laughs> so and that was uh, validation for me to just go back to tech. And I said, no, you know, this is I'm tired of finance and <laughs> all of that <laughs> private equity. Right. So went back to tech. I was lucky. I got one of the biggest clients in Africa, uh, Telco. It's actually the biggest Telco in Africa still, MTN. Uh, Together with the South African partner, we had done some work for them. They were trying to get into financial services. They didn't get a license in Nigeria. They tried again. They started, they got licenses in other other countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Together with another South African partner, we now help them um, to scale financial services to about 13 countries, using your phone to actually uh, make payments. Uh, They call it mobile money in Africa. So we, we did that, and that actually now made me, two things happen. I now learn more about Africa. You know, I was traveling to all different countries. That's how I discovered Ghana. Let me make sure I understand that real quick. So like you helped yeah. launch a, a platform that was... For, for, to make mobile for, payments. Yeah. For, yeah. for like, yeah. so, because when I was in Kenya, they had M- M-Pesa? Yeah. M-Pesa. 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 M-Pesa is exactly like that, yeah. Okay. M-Pesa, M-Pesa is... Uh, 
done by a company called Safaricom. Safaricom, you know, is a mm-hmm. Vodafone subsidiary in Okay. In, well, um, what was the Kenya. name of the company you started? But we no, our, our my company is called Swifter. So what we did was mm-hmm. we were actually a services company helping uh MTN was it was is a telco, which mm-hmm. uh MTN launched a product called Mobile Money. Okay. Mobile Money um is similar to MPESA in Kenya, but mm-hmm. it's used um it's more widely used in Africa in a number of countries. Ghana here is, is much more dominant in Ghana. DRC, yeah, sorry, not DRC. Um, Congo Brazzaville is not you know different from DRC. Uganda, Uganda was one of the biggest operations before Ghana now started. South Africa, you know, Sudan, so many places. You know, they have um, so your company, over two hundred million customers. Yeah. So your company uh, offers a critical service that allows the mobile money to to run. Is that how it works? Yeah, we we did. Yeah, we did implementation. We did support. We did all of that um, wow. for them. Um, because what I, I had moved from building products to now helping other people um, implement and scale their products, which was the services thing mm-hmm. that I discovered from what, uh, doing the SocketWorks project. Mm-hmm. And um, I now realized that you know it was actually a lot more profitable than trying to build stuff myself until um, I realized after 10 years, I was doing exactly the same thing. Went to Harvard, did a course there, Met this guy called Joe Fuller who uh, broke it down for me that, you know, there's actually zero equity in services. I'm just actually um, on a Ferris wheel, you know, <laughs> because like if you keep doing, if you keep providing services like uh, people like Accenture and McKinsey, and you're not as big as they are, even them, for him, he, he ran Monitor Consulting, which was one of the biggest consulting groups in the world. And he told me this is the problem. Like consultants are just like glorified. Uh, students, you know, they will leave and they live with the knowledge and you live with all of the equity. So there's zero equity in services and consulting. Mm-hmm. So I, I really looked at it and I realized that he, he made a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And before then, I had started investing in um, a couple of startups. You know, I knew what had happened to me when I was much smaller. So and I said, okay, look, it was now my t- turn to help other smaller companies. But at that time, I the people I was investing in didn't get it, you know, and they died, you know. So I now realize that maybe it made more sense for me to build products by myself <laughs> again. You know, so uh, we went back again into um, uh, building products. Uh, this was around 2013, 2014. Uh, um, you know, built one of the um, 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 best agent networks now uh, in Africa called Omni Branches, uh, helping sell um, um, solar products and also do uh, payments for solar products and renewable energy products, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're starting from West Africa now and we're scaling it all around Africa too as well. So we did that, you know. Um, I invested in uh, also some other payments because payments was not my my core, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> what I knew. So invested in some other payment um, uh, companies, uh, some payment startups. Um, one of them is called Flutterwave. Um, uh, which which is doing very very well. So you have like a portfolio of companies that you either yeah, are invested yeah. in or you're or, or, or we're building by ourselves. So so okay. so so I now basically now realize to just focus more on um, mentoring and investing in in startups. So I did that for I did started that 2016 really. In fact, what's happened was Google actually forced me to. But we also Google was a partner. We're doing a lot of work with Google Visa and all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, working doing stuff with Google exposes you a whole lot to um, 
places like Silicon Valley and what kind of things happening there. Mm-hmm. I started going to the Valley since um, 2011. Google basically kickstarted the African um, uh, developer ecosystem because, like, they, you know, they, they were doing a whole lot. They were providing infrastructure to universities. We worked with them on that mm. um, because they didn't have a presence all over Africa. We helped them in places where they did not, they did not have mm. a presence. So, um, you know, I became quite close to, to the guys at Google. Um, um, they also now had a, a startup um, support program called Launchpad. It's now called Google for Startups, mm-hmm. um, which I was a mentor. Um, they started from Mountain View, later moved it to San Francisco. That was uh, the period we met, I think, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. um, so we actually did Google I, I, you know, every year I go to the Google, the developer uh, event for Google. So as well, and and they, and they, you know, from Google I/O, we now started doing the Google Launchpad uh, events. So Google Launchpad, um, we're able to finally get some African startups to go in there, um, and they eventually also decided to start running the programs in Africa. So um, doing all of that mentoring exposes you to all of the opportunities, and you now realize that okay, look, this is there's something also missing, which is money, you know, from, you know, how do you take them from point A to point B? You know, like you have a lot of the smart guys, Y Combinator and all of the Silicon Valley guys are the ones who are still um, the biggest investors um, in, in some, some of our uh, most promising startups. And, and I said, no, this doesn't make sense. Okay. So we're trying to figure out um, how best to get local because like the deal I, I used to I did with my uncle and uh, his private equity company uh, at that time we raised 285 million dollars for for investment in a telco all locally now if we could do that as a 2001 how come now um, all the little startups are going to Silicon Valley to try to raise money when we could raise money locally you know yeah. then okay um, so that, that for me, initially I wanted to start my own fund, Cater Capital. Um, we, we, we're talking to local LPs. We now realize that, um, you know, none of these guys were willing to commit seriously mm. um, to, to, to this asset class. You know, for them, what they understood was totally different from what we're now trying to make them see. Mm. And um, without any major successes, um, already in that in that space, it was going to be very very hard, you know, for you to actually uh, uh, convince them. You know, like um, one of the companies I worked with in South Africa, they exited to Visa for 110 million dollars. But even then, you know, even after that exit, how much did the the early uh, investors really make, you know, mm. from the deal? Mm. So, yeah. it, if, for you to for you to um, get people excited, you have to show them exits, okay? Mm-hmm. In the Valley, they've been doing this for, for, for quite a while. And um, they, what happened in the Valley was that they had some very early blowout successes. And those guys now became the vehicle for exit of the smaller companies. Mm-hmm. Like Google buy a whole lot of companies. I, I've gathered that 98% of all exits in the, in the Valley are acquisitions. Mm-hmm. And Google buys like half of those companies. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> if you if you don't have those kind of um, large successes here, who also start acquiring companies, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, not, you're not really going to be able to grow, grow an ecosystem. We have those big companies now, like people like MTN and the others. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's also Orange Telecom. So mm-hmm. they're just now warming up to it, okay? Mm-hmm. But um, um, unfortunately, most of the early investments are, are being made by, uh, by people from the Valley, you know, who mm-hmm. also have seen the opportunity in Africa. Right, right. Uh, the Chinese are also here. They've also mm-hmm. seen the opportunity. Well, yeah. Africa is the last yeah. frontier. I want to ask several process. questions about that because um, yeah. I know you can, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's, there's so, yeah, you're a wealth of knowledge and, um, and yeah. you become like sort of a, a leading voice and champion for uh, building out this ecosystem on the continent. Yeah. Uh, when I was in when I was in Kenya, there were like these news reports about the founder of Twitter coming out to learn about M-Pesa or he's going all over yeah, the continent. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, and Venmo and the Cash App are now like they're they're new concepts in the states. You know, they weren't really around, but there were you all you all you all are out there doing it uh, much yeah, uh, yeah. longer. I, I want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about um, I want to talk a little bit about Corona. <laughs> It's kind of a big mm-hmm. jump, and, and then I kind of yeah. want to get back into mm-hmm. uh, some stuff specific to Ghana. Um, okay. With uh, so so you're you're in Ghana. Like, what what are the what sort of the vibe, the precautions? What's the government saying about um, contractions and restrictions? Like, what what's what's it like right now? Oh, they're, they're they're very serious here. The government is serious, but the people aren't serious. You know, like mm-hmm. you know. Same issues you have in the states where um, people don't really, really people are tired. So, but there, but you also have people, you know, like me who not take chances. I'm not going to go out to risk my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about it is, um, I can do this because I can afford it. You understand what I'm saying? There are others who can't afford to um, to remain at home. I've I've worked from home for 15 years of my life. You know, but I have an office. I have you know, businesses all over but i don't you know i i like i said before this was what ghana gave me that i love i could work from home i could actually be uh be in a place and and, and they're stable so um the government is doing all they can but people are still out you know if you go out you, know, you won't believe that there's anything happening like uh like a pandemic uh there were lockdowns um they did that for a while um but i think think that maybe the economic impact of it was what the government was afraid of. I also remember that this is an election year here, here in Ghana too as well. Okay. Um, we have elections in December. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of these decisions can become very political quickly. Mm-hmm. So the same way you have all of the issues with corona and politics in, in, in the States, we have them here too as well. Mm-hmm. So um, these guys are a bit cautious. They have to balance um, lockdowns and restrictions, you know, with what the political implications could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the borders have been closed, you know, for for months now since March. Um, my family is actually over in Togo because um, I am over, so I should actually be with my family in Togo now. We have you know, we have a place here. We have a place in Togo. I also have places in Nigeria, but um, I'm stuck here. I was I was cut off from my family for for since March. Mm-hmm. So so it's uh, it's crazy. The borders are closed, and. Um, they're not. I don't think they're reopening them soon. Yeah. Yeah. There was. Um. I yeah. recently heard on the on the Joe Rogan podcast, Hannibal Buress, uh, the comedian, saying that he was going to Ghana because uh, he was trying to get out of the states. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he was his whole. No, but you see, it's probably even safer here than in the states because you can you can do what I'm doing now. 
uh-huh. and it and it's much cheaper than you you know uh, uh, than doing it in the states anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah. I know a lot of people who've lived here for like years because it's much cheaper. I didn't get a chance to visit Ghana during my trip last year. I ended up going to <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going to Egypt and um and you know I mentioned we want to talk a little bit about the dual citizenship yes. program that was happening. A lot of uh some people didn't know about this when I was like talking to black Americans about it that in- uh, okay. that's surprising. <laughs> yeah, that Ghana was offering dual citizenship citizenship to people of the diaspora from like yeah. Uh, from like the, the, the you know North America, um, and a lot of people yeah. were sort of taking it up on it. And and some some of the casual news reports I saw was that like, you know, there's been this surge of Black Americans, expats yeah. Uh, yeah. settling yeah. in Ghana. Like, what what have you seen related yeah. to that? No, they had they had a whole uh, campaign. They called it the Year of the Return. Uh, this was uh, 2019 um, to mark the. Uh, uh, return of people who had uh, been taken out uh, because of slavery and all of that, you know, back to, back to their roots. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very successful. So successful that the government said about $3 billion came into the economy just because of that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I believe it because I live in a new development, um, 196 homes. 30% of those houses were bought by people who were coming back, who were returning. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that 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 shows you that you know it's real. It's not it's not a it's not a fluke. So a lot of people um, cashed in on it. They've, they've they've moved back. Ghana still has its own challenges. You know the infrastructure is not as uh, perfect as it is in in America or something like that. But it's still a whole lot more better than the rest of Africa. What's the what's like Kenya. the home? What's the home values like? What's like what's sort of like um like a it single depends. family? It depends. You know like. It, right. You can have uh, you have you have some very expensive homes that where I used to live, the homes were like over a million dollars. But I moved closer to the mountains to the sub the suburbs. Like I, there, I was in the city, mm-hmm. uh, but you know I moved out to the suburbs. The suburbs uh, there are new developments here that are much cheaper, you know, than than um, than those in the uh, in the city. So because it's about demand and supply too as well. There's more scarcity. Yeah, there. I'm thinking. I'm thinking more like um, you know, you're a young professional between 25 and and yeah, yeah. There, there are all sorts of developments for that. Yeah, yeah. you there want like a, a, yeah, yeah, one are. of these new condos like in a yeah. in a decent neighborhood. What 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 people what are yeah. people have yeah. like a one bedroom? Yeah, here um, where I am now, there are some one bedrooms for like you know, less than 100. You know, so mm-hmm. and and. I think about eighty or something like that, seventy eight thousand dollars, and it's all taken up. It's all you know. It's all sold. Mm. You know that's oh, that, okay. that's how. Yeah. So so and and they are actually doing two more developments. Um, they're planning them over the next four years. So there's a whole lot of real estate activity happening you know, mm. because because of this because they actually know that, uh, like the guys who who built this development actually live in the states. They mm. are Ghanaian, but they live in the states. They mm. They, what they wanted to do was build a place where that's used to the kind of stand, uh, that's of the standard that they're used to, mm-hmm. you know. So and they built, you know, really really good development. Everything is pretty much standard. Everything works, you know. Like it's, I don't, um, I don't miss anywhere else in the world, you know. Ghana also has very good internet. You know, we have, uh, you know, like where I used to live. Although here now we're still uh, doing a whole lot of wireless, but still very, very decent, pretty decent. I get um, um, at least 50 Mbps 
you know, <laughs> downloads. But where I was before, uh, in the city center, uh, the the speeds were faster than San Francisco. I used to have, you know, I used to like, you know, even Google, you know, Google has offices. Google has an engineering office here in Ghana. You know, they have an AI lab. I'm not surprised. You know, they have, yeah, they have an AI lab here. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that shows you how how decent the infrastructure is. Mm-hmm. And well, what would you say? I actually like, wrote an article about it on CNN. Yeah, uh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say. What What would you say? Um, you know, people that are looking to visit Ghana, like Black Americans, uh, what are some things they should keep in mind? Like one or two things. Like there's an article a friend of mine wrote that when she came to Ghana, it was the first time she realized that she wasn't black. You know, like you know, everybody's used to everybody. You know, she's she's originally well, maybe uh, her parents are, are, are Nigerian, but she was born in the states. But uh-huh. she she came to Ghana for the first time, and she now realized that whoa, this is the first time I'm not conscious I'm black. Uh-huh. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, uh-huh. so and they're very welcoming. You know, they this is actually a very very welcoming. They're very very nice mm-hmm. people here, and um, the thing is. Um, one well, I, I would say that the crime is worse than uh, places in in the states. You know, I, I have a, I had a cousin killed in New York a couple of uh, weeks ago. So I'm sorry. Um, the, obviously, yeah, there's a whole lot of crime in the inner cities and all of that. In it. So people who are used to that kind of level of crime, the thing is that here, um, one of the reasons I decided to stay, I was out one night. We're out in the early, in the, early in the morning. There's a, a place called Osu. And I saw a girl, a white girl, leave a bar and walk to her hotel at 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I said, whoa, this is crazy. This never happens anywhere in Africa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> for you to walk around at yeah. 3 a.m. in the morning and you're not afraid. Right. And I, you know, I was sold. <laughs> you know, and um, that was, yeah. you know, I said, but, you know, Depends on the area too as well, but that was Osu is like a, a lot of young people like the place, it's, you know, heart of the city, right? Um, a lot happening there, a lot of nightclubs and all of that. So and and I was I was looking at it and I was saying this is interesting. In Nigeria, mm. I, I I wouldn't risk this. In South Africa, hell no. Mm. In Kenya, I wouldn't even try. It. <laughs> you, know, mm. you know, in Ghana, hey, that I was do that. one of the yeah. things that I noticed on my trip. Um, you know, because I, I yeah. the way that I usually travel. Because we you know when I, when I went to Kenya, um, and you helped you helped me make that decision about where to go, and you put me in touch yeah. with some people. Uh, yeah. When I went to Kenya and I stayed in Nairobi, I didn't know anybody. I just kind of showed up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I figure it out. And then um, it was it was a few things that were eye opening. I just thought that I would go out and meet people, and then the people that I yeah. met, they seemed cool, but then it something it became like this like kind of desperation in our conversations about like yes yes yeah that, that's what you need. That, that's 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 something you have to be very very careful about mm-hmm. but you see the thing is that kenya is a country kenya ghana these are countries that are optimized for tourism okay mm-hmm. now it's like jamaica my wife went to jamaica and what she told me was look you know what like it seems as if everybody wants to get the dollar out of you mm-hmm. <laughs> as a tourist mm-hmm. you know so if they figure out that you're you're a tourist Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's very, very um, uh, sure that they they, they will want to get as much as they, as they want from you because you're mm-hmm. tourists because they feel you're bringing. Then the exchange rate differential does uh, doesn't help too as well. Uh, they feel oh okay, the, the tourist has a whole lot more money uh, to spend, but that's actually sometimes not the truth because mm-hmm. I've seen so many people who come here on holidays, you know and. 
they have um, um, a totally wrong idea about, about what what's possible. It's also a very expensive country. It's not really really cheap, you know. Mm-hmm. It, can, it depends on where you're going to, you know. Um, uh, Cape Coast, yeah, Cape Coast, which is far away from Accra, is much cheaper than than Accra, you know. So a lot of people, uh, Cape Coast is where you have uh, the Omina Castle, most of the, the tourist attractions and all of those things. Okay, yeah. so a lot of people go there and uh, and also do not realize that okay, the locals there are also very used to tourists coming around and you know want to find a way to get mm-hmm. make a buck. That's their economy. Right. Tourism is the economy. Mm-hmm. So when you have a tourist economy, um, they are, they are, they, you see that kind of desperation where people are optimized to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So and this is what I, I, th- I think has not been well managed here. Um, even in Jamaica, as bad as it is in Jamaica, but you know, it's not, it's also still restricted to some areas. Um, mm-hmm. The resort where my wife was in Jamaica, it was really, really nice. You know, what yeah. standard? Everything. I, I noticed that in some of my conversations and then my guard is up like like you yeah. know everybody that i interact with it's now i'm now like you know i i, I want to keep you know, but, but you see, the thing is you also need to um but it changed know. though it changed yeah. because like yeah um mm-hmm. i ended up meeting some people that i that that exactly. were exactly on the same wavelength mentality you know, uh, I got reconnected to Kenneth finally, who you put me in touch with. Precisely, and, precisely. And, um, mm-hmm. I met some people that were in developers, some people that were in tech, some people that I went to college with, whose family was out there. And then I was, in, but it, it was like at the end of my trip, I was there for a month and I didn't really get connected to these people to like the last week and a half, <laughs> you know? So I was like, yeah, dang, yeah. I need another month here. To, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, what, what you should have done is connect to those guys first because like, I, I, right. I think it helps know people before you, you come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's actually quite for me um I, I moved to Ghana pretty much without knowing anybody anyway um what happened was that you know a client was owing us some money i got here i was supposed to be here for a week i ended up staying for three months mm. you know I, I said whoa okay this is this now because i'm nigerian um, and nigeria is a much worse is a much worse um state, state of mind you know, uh, than, than ghana um, I found it very easy to fit in here. You know, um, people here were much nicer. The police, even the policemen, you know, like there was a day I was in a, a cab and uh, the driver wasn't properly dressed. We were stopped by the car. I thought, okay, well, this, here we go again. These guys are going to now take money from me and all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, what I found surprising was that they, they were actually scolding the driver for not dressing properly. Why are you wearing flip-flops? Mm-hmm. You know, making uh, making us look bad in front of t- tourists. I said, "Whoa, this is interesting." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that was a totally different experience from uh-huh. Nigeria, where you know I'm scared that the policeman is probably going to rob me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you know, totally different. So I, 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 I was actually I was pleasantly surprised, mm-hmm. and um, I ended up staying here for three months. Came back again, stayed here again for another month. Came back and I okay, you know what? I might as well just get a place. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got a place. Um, opened an office. In fact, we opened an office before I got a place. Mm-hmm. We, we got we got an office. A friend of mine. Um, we actually just met. We met her at a mall. You know, she's actually a white girl, Jessica. She 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 worked with Grameen, Introduced her to us to her company. Um, we they gave us some space. You know, to to use. Mm-hmm. We already had a client here. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, and I had an office. I had I had an employee. I had uh, you know people working in the field. I had you know. So mm-hmm. after a while, and I said, look, you know what? I like this place. I really love this place. Mm-hmm. Why don't I just settle here? Right. So I I I came back again. I, I decided to get a place. Another friend of mine. She's actually with the Rockefeller Foundation now. Uh, strangely, she's moved back to the States. A medical doctor, she, she, she was here. So she, she helped me find a place, and that was it. You know, I, I got a place that I didn't even have to pay for. You know, like I was telling her, oh, you know, you know, telling the landlady, um, don't have to pay pay you. No, no, you come in, you know, you can always pay. Oh, well, see, this is, this never happens even in the, in England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. I, I got, I, and I, it was a really nice place. Although eventually, um, you know, because this is another thing with social problems. After a while, I had to move out of the place because after after about five or six years, um, you know, burglars now you know came into you know like when, once you're a foreigner here, you're also a target. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Burglaries, a whole lot of things. Because once they know that, okay, look, foreigners probably have a, a higher standard of living than than others you know mm-hmm. so you also become a target mm-hmm. uh, but burglary is not not robberies the way it happens in nigeria not like you know violent robberies yeah so there, there may be so a few violent robberies but not as bad as uh, as it is in the rest of africa so mm-hmm. it's, it's generally a safer place much more peaceful we also live in togo togo is just next door my wife uh, got a job with uh, one of the regional banks, so she's we we we've, we've actually had to be doing the Togo, Ghana, Nigeria, <laughs> you know, <laughs> travel. Yeah. Um, you know, so she she used to travel a lot before we had our kids. Okay, she's um, there most of the time. The kids go to school there in Togo, so I I I do two weeks there, two weeks two weeks of traveling. Um, then um, I now. Uh, you know, we started a couple of funds. Um, so most, and those funds are not really, really Africa-based. There's mm-hmm. one is in, in the States. There's another one from Israel. Then I'm also in a, a, a board member. What's the, what's, the, what's the qualifications to join your fund? Join as what? As an LP? Or? Yeah, as an LP. Or as a... Bring some money. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. As an LP and then also as a as a founder. Like, what's, what's, what are you looking at? The three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is uh, looking at um, growth, growth stage companies that can scale globally. So it's actually not really, really a local one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second one uh, is more about... Um, uh, corporate venture capital and actually partner corporate, corporate venture capital uh, entities. Uh, the third one is uh, I'm actually on the board. Of, the board, I'm not really an active player. That one uh, uh, was spun out of media. It's called Place Fund. So what what they're doing is they're funding um, projects that have to do with land and property rights and all of those kind of things. You know, in the emerging markets. Um, then there's a fourth one. Which, um, we're, we're, that, that's more of an angel thing. That's what we're, I'm doing with, with 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 my friends. That's that's uh, uh, we're trying to see how we can uh, recreate SV Angel here in in Africa, where we do like one deal, at least one deal every week. Mm. You know, uh, at what so, level? At what level is the? Oh no, um, uh, or is that not what I, what, I, what I was thinking of was was um. 
because like I, you see, this is this is it. I want to do better than Y Combinator. Y Combinator does um, $150,000, you know, uh, for 7%. So what we're thinking of, okay, look, let's do $200,000 uh, um, for, for 10% or less. Hmm? So, and um, let's do one deal from every country every week. You know, we have 54 countries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so. Although, although uh, fifty-two deals per country in a yeah, year. No, 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 fifty-two deals, fifty-two deals per, per continent in all of Africa. Okay. No, 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 not, not fifty-two deals per country. Okay. One deal, one deal for the whole of Africa, but from one from a different country. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Every week. So, so, so that's what we. And that's, that's still a lot. That's still a lot of money to move around. That's. No, but that's that's just no. It's just ten million dollars. Uh-huh. That I looked, I looked at it and I said, "Whoa, this is just ten million dollars," mm. and that's actually a very tiny fund, you know, in the states. Uh-huh. Ten you million. Know, I have a friend, Shruti Ari Capital. I think she her fund is like, uh, uh, I think she was ten million dollars last time I met. I think she's gonna be. But oh yeah, she's doing very well. right. But yeah. uh, no, it's yeah. not. It's not. It's not a ton. But you know, I mean, for in terms of the fund size, yeah. it's not a ton. But you see, you're talking about four different funds, and then now just like spending down. No, 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 no. This this one is a different thing. Those other ones are different. Uh, uh-huh. Each each fund is on its own. Mm-hmm. Like this one, this what this for me. Uh, what we wanted to do. This is an angel investment move in Africa. Mm-hmm. What we what we're looking at is look. Um, I, I hate seeing captables where Y Combinator is actually the biggest. You know, it just annoys me. I keep seeing that, and if we do not do more in Africa. Mm-hmm. I will keep losing all of these guys too. Mm-hmm. So why don't why don't we be the first guys mm-hmm. uh, to invest before a white combinator? Have you yeah. met Michael? Have you? I'm sure you probably met Michael before. Yeah, I met, I met Michael. Yeah, I met Michael. You know, he yeah. came to Nigeria. We met, and all of that. Michael um, is the CEO of Y Combinator. For people who don't know, yeah. who are listening, yeah, right? yeah. So for me, the way I look at it is this: you know, um, SVJ probably does less than Y Combinator. We could also do less. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Um. Um. You know, there's a guy from, um, is it Bessemer that said something which was actually very interesting. First of all, you you know, you put yourself in a position to be chosen first, then you choose. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be the ones, to, to, we want to be the ones to be chosen first mm-hmm. uh, before <laughs> before any other investor, mm-hmm. you know, because we understand Africa. We know, we know, um, um, the continent better and we, we have the connections all over the continent. This is something that um, also came up when we are mentoring a lot of Google startups, uh, Google uh, back startups. And something that occurred to me was this. We're running these programs in San Francisco mm-hmm. and each time um, I meet a startup from the emerging markets, there's a huge sigh of relief. You know, as a mentor, oh, thank God, you know, you, you, you understand us. And I was saying, well, this is interesting. Startups from India, startups from Vietnam, startups from Africa. Mm-hmm. You're meeting them there. Thank you. Because like when they are meeting mentors from the valley, those guys actually probably do not understand what's going on. You know? mm-hmm. So they, they're, they're mentoring based on um, their US experience. I remember one of them uh, from Vietnam, mm-hmm. uh, a mentor from San Francisco telling her, don't, don't work with telcos. And I, you know, I told him, are you crazy? In this part of the world, telcos are the game. <laughs> they're not your AT&T and uh, T-Mobile that you have there. 
Right. In this part of the world, these guys are the ones who own the infrastructure. They're the ones, your, all of your internet is from your telco. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean by don't work with telcos when you're an internet company? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so there, there are nuances here that, you know, um, people there don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so now there are, there are a lot of com- um, small funds here who are also like, who are feeding into Y Combinator to us. So, but I don't want to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I want us to do higher than them, do better than, than, than any, any Silicon Valley investor and provide them, provide the startups with real value to us as well. Because we've done this for a while now to know that, you know, it, it's not rocket science. You know what I'm saying? We've, we've been, like I've, I've told you my story, I've been, I've been doing this for over 20 years. You, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, okay? Mm-hmm. I have um, a number of ventures that are backed that are, that are also very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, now, nah, you're the man. You're the man, and you yeah. have, like, and you've been validated. Like, you know, like, if people yeah. look at your Twitter following alone, not that that's, like, you know, supposed to be the indicator of success, but, like, you, you've, been, you've, you've built a big audience, and yeah. a lot of people who are very serious seek you out, um, yeah. and there's no reason that, uh, you know, and there's a need. There's a need that you are well positioned to fill. Um, yeah. You have this experience in banking and equity and starting your own and being successful with the exits. Like you deeply understand. You know, you already know this. I'm just playing it back for you. And so like the um, the volume of it was just kind of inspiring to me. Like, dang, like a, a, a startup in every country is probably for you. It's like, oh, yeah, that's easy. That's like that's small scale. That's that's hella doable. No, 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 but we have to do it. You know, you know why we have right. to do it? I'm very happy that Michael is the CEO of Y Combinator. But Michael doesn't own Y Combinator. Michael is not the one who invests mm-hmm. in those companies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all by himself. Even mm-hmm. if he does, just a little um, chunk that he gets. Now, at the end of the day, um, now, yes, um, investments are global, all right. Before we know what's happening, the wrong guys will now start calling the shots in Africa again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you, you know what I'm saying, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is also an opportunity for um, um, African Americans, you know, uh, in the diaspora too, as well. You know, like this is now the time to invest in Africa to own a part of, of the story of Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. ten million dollars is not a lot of money. Yeah. Well, million. I know people are interested in that. I know people are interested. Yeah. I mean, just just because the price yeah. point, the price point is different. People want to. They're yeah. you know, trying to do something in San Francisco for me, right? Like my my rent, yeah. right? Yeah. My rent is, is thirty two hundred dollars, right? And, <laughs> okay. and so and so I'm like trying to make money to sustain my life here. And then when I'm thinking about investing, owning a home or having equity stake in the company or doing real estate deals, like trying to align with somebody like you that can help mm-hmm. me do that on the continent, someone that's like well-established and trustworthy. That's why I'm trying to sort of like... No, no, that's... that's, They're a different level. I know know somebody, I met somebody, um, I wrote an article on CNN about Ghana, about the Google guys coming to Ghana and all of that. And I got a whole lot of inbound, uh, even from Brazil, people from Brazil who want to also come come here to as well. Uh, And I didn't realize that Brazil has a significant black population. And this is something nobody tells you. You know, you think Brazil is it's really, the largest really, one uh, outside of yeah. Africa. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, I, yeah. I, I was stunned when I found that out. I said, "Whoa!" Uh-huh. You know, the, the black people in Brazil uh-huh. quite substantial. You know, so you have a um, a lot of um, black people who are out there who who now realize, "Hey, wait a minute!" Not the uh, Hollywood perception, not the coming to America type of Africa that right, 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 you know, right, right. Uh, that people are seeing. You know, like. 
So this is the real aspect. You know, you can, a lot of people are realizing, wait a minute, I can actually do business here? I say, yes, you can do business here. Or there are companies here that, you know, like there's a tech guy that I met. Oh, I can actually sell products to, you know, mm. to corporates in Africa. I say, yeah. There are mm. people who spend billions of dollars, you know, mm. uh, you know, yearly in Africa on products. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a market here. And there, there's also a consumer market too mm. as well. Mm. And there's also a production market. I, I think the biggest, you, you heard what, you saw what the Gluten's guys were doing at Andela. You know, uh, taking uh, training developers and and um, uh, using them to build products uh, uh, for other people in, in the world, uh, out there in the world. The the biggest opportunity in Africa is the production opportunity, mm-hmm. not just the consumption opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you want to start as as an African American, if you want to start a startup, there are people here you can hire for much cheaper than mm-hmm. <laughs> than, than you can you can. You can hire in the states, and who will actually, uh, who are black, who will work with you, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. one of the, one of the things that I, you know, when I while I, while I was while I was in, I, I I met a lot of small business owners in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Like I I got connected to the U.S. Embassy in Nairobi, yep. and uh, yep. met somebody through there, and met some other folks on the ground. And there was these constant news reports about, um, you know, like the like government corruption at the time. Kenya was. Uh, Ending its current, ending its currency. They were going to launch a new currency because there was like all this cash being hoarded that weren't that wasn't in circulation. So they were just going to like dissolve it and start a new one. Some of the some of the business owners were telling me that um, they, they had contracts with government and the government didn't pay, and it had been like years. That, that's that's very common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so um, and so you know, so people were trying to find a way, right? Um. There is. Well, we talked about the. We talked. You, you mentioned briefly the influx mm. of like Chinese investment, and my yeah. my theory. You can debunk this theory, okay? Because this is like, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is because yeah. you know, and I don't. But there was a bunch of development happening in Nairobi that was Chinese, uh, from, Chinese, from, Chinese from, owned, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And and it, and there was all people. It were all Chinese uh, folks on the construction site, and so. Um, there was this sort of tension, like, oh, why aren't they hiring locally? And my whole theory was like, you know, for the amount of bribes they had to pay in order to get that off the ground, <laughs> like they were only going to mess with their own people. It was like, listen, I paid everybody off to do this thing. I'm going to make sure I ain't got to keep, you know, I'm just going to like the entry, the cost of entry also where they were trying to protect their investment by making sure up and down the chain, they could control who was coming in and out. And so, um, mm-hmm. So that's my theory. You can tell me that if that's okay. No, okay. What's going to happen is the Chinese uh, are very, very smart. Um, the Chinese have figured out uh, two things: um, that Africa uh, can be an opportunity or a threat. Okay, Africa has like the largest young population in the world. Okay, uh, and um, you know over a billion people. So. Uh, it, it, it's it's also the, the the last frontier, so um, uh, a lot of markets still not opened up yet. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, the, 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 there's a, a Chinese company called uh, uh, Transion. Transion, they're a very very small phone manufacturer in China, mm-hmm. but they're the largest phone supplier in Africa, over mm-hmm. 200 million phones. So so, um, you know those kind of things. You know, show them that okay, there's a lot of opportunity. There are a lot of people also manufacturing 
in Africa using African labor, Chinese guys, because it's cheaper here to do to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what the Chinese have figured out is, um, is there you can buy up the government with aid, what you call aid. So, and their own concept of aid is okay. I'll provide you with infrastructure, you know, which you can afford, but I'll use my own people to build them. Mm. Because they're also, while doing that, they're providing employment for their own people. Mm-hmm. Then uh, it's also like a Trojan horse. When you get your people to go and work in a country, they understand the country better. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's like blatant espionage. You know, like you're, 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 I'm doing it so that I figure, figure these guys out better than, 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 than they will understand. And if, most of those guys never go back. You know, and I know people here who started mixing up with, with the locals, having children here and all of that. And that's, mm. that's, that's, that's a strategy, a very long-term strategy that they're playing. Mm. Mm. So uh, America, on the other hand, is uh, walling themselves off. But China is pushing their people mm. <laughs> out into the world. To, so it's, it's already um, showing promise to them because like, there, there are so many sectors that they control. Um, you know, like there, there are things that are happening here that are just unbelievable. There are people who used to um, do farming who now realize that it's better to just sell imported Chinese products rather than that. So it's actually destroying a lot of our traditional um, economies, you know, and agriculture. So, and they also come here in Ghana here, the biggest headache with, with um, the Chinese is my illegal mining. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a lot of illegal miners from China mm-hmm. who come here to mine gold and all of that. Mm-hmm. Now, I was re- uh, listening to some uh, story recently, or was it on NPR? I can't remember, about rare earths and, you know, how China has a, a huge advantage in rare earths over America. Rare earths are actually used for electronics and all of that. But guess what? You know, Africa has a whole lot of those things, you know. Um, like a lot, all the cobalt and all of, or the lithium for batteries, majority of it comes from Africa. From that's why the Congo is not not at peace till today, mm-hmm. because the, mm-hmm. the the largest reserves of cobalt are in Congo, mm-hmm. and all your iPhone batteries, all your you know, and all of the uh, most of the materials, they take it from there, then they go to China and they produce the batteries, and right. you know, they sell it sell it to America. Mm-hmm. So there, there's uh, Africa is being plundered, you know, systematically. Uh, um, uh, by the Chinese, and wh- one of the the things that they do, uh, bringing in their people, is to also let their people settle here, and and they are settling here rapidly. Mm-hmm. So, and they they actually, it, you know, it's so bad that a lot of East African countries are now, you know, they started having uh, new work permit and visa rules. Mm-hmm. Like Uganda, Uganda became very hostile. Mm. Uh, Kenya too as well, you know. Mm. But you know, the governments, you know, of course they have to play politics. They don't want to spend money on infrastructure. Mm. Chinese are offering it to them. Mm-hmm. If you go to Togo, the entire port in Togo was built by the Chinese. It's the largest port in West Africa right now. Mm. Why, why would you build a port there, uh, you know, um, and, and give it to a country? And I'll figure it out. It's actually, well, the country was uh, willing to let them build it. And it's actually... The conduits to the landlocked countries in in West Africa. Mm-hmm. Ah, they, they built built the ports, built the highways, mm-hmm. did everything free. Why would they do that to open up the the landlocked countries in 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 Africa? Right. So and so, there there is this is a balance. There's a good part. There's a bad part. 
Mm-hmm. Good, good in that. Okay, yeah, they've, they've they're helping us with, the, with infrastructure. Bad in that. Okay, they are actually not altruistic about it. They are doing it for their own benefit. Right, right, right. Uh, to open up the market to, so that they can sell their products. Mm-hmm. So they're not helping us to produce. Like I said, the, the biggest opportunity in Africa is, is the production opportunity because we have a lot of young people. Who are, and if we do not um, get these guys employed and, and being productive, of mm-hmm. course, you know what's going to happen. Crime wars and, and all of right. that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a, that was a trip to me. Um, yeah. One of one of the so you, you brought up I want I want to sort of like let I want to wrap this up so I can let you get on with your evening and everything but um yeah like finding a point of entry for the sort of typical young professional like mid career professional yeah. in the states because a lot of stuff you're talking about it has to be it, it sort of has to be state sponsored like you have these private companies that are doing these things but it's not like. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not it's like not, it's not well organized. He's going to yeah. build an airport, you know. It's like he had to have all the infrastructure and manpower, or whatever. Um, Thank you <laughs> for the uh, aspiring entrepreneur looking to partner with this. With no, no, for for the for the aspiring entrepreneur, this is my advice: um, get together as a group. You know, like uh, if you if you don't organize, because uh, the whole year of return thing in uh, to Ghana, what you what you said is actually true. That a lot of people are not we're not aware of it because the way it was marketed it was uh, it wasn't sold to um, uh, groups of African Americans or it was just sold to the world. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, what what I found out is that communities matter. Okay, and um, if you if you come together as a community and okay now say okay this is what I want to do because this is also something I feel. You know, in 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 the states, it's it's very very important that we're not doing well. I have a lot of cousins who were born there, who, who've grown up there, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole lot of disconnect because there's a their their parents um, form communities and they know each other. But you know, after that generation, these guys are so they don't know anybody. You know, they just they don't they're not they're not cohesive. You know. Um, they may have African names, and that's it. That's where it stops. Mm-hmm. They are more American than, than than African, and they don't they don't blend with each other. They don't. I have a nephew who's never been to Africa. And I've told him, if not for this coronavirus, he would have been here. This summer, he's going to college in, in August. Sorry, in September. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had wanted him to come before going to college to actually like spend summer here, but you know this pandemic prevented all of that. So mm-hmm. so he actually connects and. Starts, you know, he ha- he has people. He doesn't make the mistake that you made of going to Kenya and not knowing anybody. You, you know what I'm saying? So if he's mm-hmm. coming here, he already he has he has friends. He has people. You know, if, if you don't come here every summer, if you don't build, if we, if we don't build those those bridges, right? Um, we'll keep having the, the the kind of dichotomy that we have now. Mm-hmm. It's there's a lot of fragmentation in the states. Mm-hmm. That we keep looking for representation, but we don't understand. Because I look at Asian communities. You know, what blew my mind when I came to the Bay Area, I realized how you know, the very, when we met, we went to an Ethiopian restaurant. We all went to an Ethiopian restaurant. Okay, mm-hmm. the Ethiopians are the ones actually doing things about food. I, I went to Millbury. Most of Millbury was all Asian. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and the number of Asian restaurants, mm-hmm. I can say there's only one Ethiopian restaurant in San Francisco. But you know, the number of Asian restaurants in that you know, in, in San Francisco as a whole, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And they build their communities around all of those things. Something as mm-hmm. simple as food, 
you know, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Food, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, religious worship, a whole lot of things. You know, uh, we, I, I think the disconnect. What is the religion of the of the black man? Mm. It's not necessarily Islam. Islam is a foreign religion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What is it that connects us as community? Mm-hmm. Uh, colonialism has, and slavery and all of that has broken all of those things. So we need to find some common basis right. to come together. If, if we don't do that, mm-hmm. we'll lose it totally. And mm-hmm. this is what all of these guys want. The reason you ha- you have uh, state-sponsored companies like China, that's why uh, uh, everybody's fighting Huawei. Huawei is basically the Chinese government sponsoring Chinese businesses, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to go all over the world. Right. So, and, uh, if, if nations are not doing that, why don't we get together as a race to, mm-hmm. to do it for ourselves? Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I think is going to help us. That's a, that's a, that's a beautiful place to end it. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I like to, I like to thank the big chief. Thank uh, you very much. For <laughs> <laughs> some knowledge and, um, and uh sharing his story um we'll put out you know obviously i always put up people's social media handles um he's he's a great follow on twitter uh like uh, people love him from all over the world i think cory booker follows him among oh me. really i didn't even realize that <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't even know cory booker follows him on twitter <laughs> um, yeah if he knows what's good for him he would yeah um but uh thank you victor i appreciate you Peace, peace, and thank you for listening to another episode of Cook on Monday Morning. At Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if you own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. As many of you know, since the start of the pandemic, we've upped the amount of episodes we release for Cook on uh, Monday Morning. We're now doing three episodes a week. The series is called Cook on Quarantine. I'd like to thank Victor Asamoto for taking the time to join us today, Uh, his insights on what the continent of Africa needs in order to be self-sustaining around the area of tech and just in general are are just brilliant. Um, He's been a resource to me personally, and I know a lot of people can say that about him. Uh, He's just a great human being that uh, has a great mind and a great vision and uh, represents a mentality that is quintessentially what we're trying to elevate at, at Cook on Monday morning. So I uh, really appreciate him taking the time, sharing um, his story and what drove him into the work he's doing today. We all need to help continue that work. And I hope that uh, we all will by connecting with him on Twitter. We'll put his Twitter link on the screen to make sure that people uh, see that. I also want to thank the people that make this podcast possible, our videographer, David Topete, an amazing, amazing person. Uh, thank you, David. The, uh, Fernando Enrico Marquez, who edits my newsletter. Um, you can subscribe to the newsletter at stevoncook.com. Uh, with the newsletter, there are additional insights that I offer based on the people that I've spoken to or just uh, general things, uh, policy recommendations or business insights. So you can get more information in a more abbreviated way by subscribing to the newsletter at stevemoncook.com. Um, this podcast is owned by the Luther Harris Holding Company, uh, where we do strategic advising and consulting for nonprofits, startups, and we do diversity hiring uh, for large companies to help them meet their hiring goals. 
if that's something that is of interest to you, please feel free to reach out to me at info at stevemoncook.com. While you're at the website, stevemoncook.com, and you've already subscribed to the newsletter and you subscribe to the podcast, you'll see that we have a bookshelf. On the bookshelf, if you go through the books through the Amazon link and you do your Amazon shopping, it's a great way to support the podcast. We get a small percentage of whatever you purchase. There's no additional cost to you, but it helps us cover the cost of the podcast. It's a great way to support the work we're doing here. We'll also be launching merchandise soon. So you can represent this message, uh, you know, by listening and by uh, wearing some of the stuff that we uh, put together. It's going to be really fly. And I hope that um, you'll purchase it when it becomes available. We've been doing, we've been doing a night out for single mothers. Uh, so if you know anyone as a single mother that you think deserves a nice night out, the whole idea is that I cover dinner for her and a friend. Um, we can look into getting childcare for her if um, we can figure out a safe way to do it. And it's just a token of appreciation to show you that, you know, we know that uh, the road is the road is difficult. And we just want to tell you that you're not alone. Here's a nice night out. Um, so if you know of anybody that you think would be deserving of that, if you're a listener of the podcast or you know someone else, you listen to the podcast, know someone else, uh, feel free to send me an inf- uh, email, info at Stephon Cook, and we will set that up. You know, we, we're looking to do it at the capacity of twice a month. So email me and I'd love to put that together. I'd like to finally just thank and showcase the love to people that uh, ultimately this podcast is for, the people that inspired me to do this work, the people that my grandfather, my great-grandfather um, lived this life in service of. They are our first responders, our firefighters, EMT workers, police officers, social workers, our educators, our school lunch workers, uh, our custodians, the people that uh, pick up our trash, the people that drive our buses, like my father, he's a muni driver in San Francisco. This podcast is for you. This podcast is for our employers, the people that create opportunity, sacrifice it themselves, and uh, help give purpose to uh, folks by offering meaningful jobs that allow them to take care of them and their families to our employers. This podcast is for you. It's also for our gig workers, the folks that are doing the essential work of stocking our shelves, delivering food, uh, getting us to where we got to go through the rideshare services, exposing themselves to this vicious virus. Um, I respect your grind. This podcast is for you. And if you haven't gotten enough of me, which I hope you haven't, and you're looking to build additional community, which I hope you will, I hope that you'll reach out to me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at Stevon Cook, Facebook at Stevon Cook. Twitter at Stevon Cook, Instagram at Stevon Cook. You know, we're a tribe and we are going to grow this mentality together, this mentality of being doers, of establishing ourselves, of building a legacy, of improving our families, of improving our community and our country, and, and with building connections with folks like Victor. Uh, together, we'll move the world forward. So, thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you for connecting until we meet again. Peace, peace, and we out.